So the title of my message tonight is Open the Eyes of My Heart. And um, the, the praise team did beautifully singing that song. Thank you so much. So the, the, back, the, the inspiration of this song, will, it was written by a man called Paul Baloche or Baloche. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his name. But he was a very experienced worship leader and songwriter. And he says he was inspired by some of the words in the scripture of Ephesians 1 and 18 where it says, The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. We all want to see God. Amen. We all want to see him. As uh, the song says, high and lifted up. We want to see the great God who loves us and does so much for us. Amen. So, but the words of the song that we were sung do not solely go according to Ephesians 1 and 18 because the chorus of the song actually makes reference to the vision that God gave to Isaiah, which is recorded in Isaiah chapter 6. So I'd like to ask you to turn there with me, but before we do, can I just pray and ask God to, to bless tonight and to help me. Lord Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you, God, because of your mercy and your goodness, your love, your power and the truth, Lord. There is none like you, God, and we are privileged, Lord, to be in your house tonight, God. We are privileged, beloved God, to feel your wonderful presence, God, and sing our praises unto you, Heavenly Father. I pray, God, that you will anoint me. I pray that you will speak to our hearts. Enable me, beloved God, to deliver this message, I pray. And I thank you, God, for these blessings. I ask that you meet with us, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, and we give you all the glory and honor. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. It says, I saw, I saw also the Lord sitting upon, sorry, from the beginning, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. In later verses in the scripture, we read that this vision is directly in respect of Isaiah receiving a commission from God to prophesy to this people. In the presence of God and his glory, Isaiah felt and recognized that he was a man of unclean lips, and this made him feel woeful and not good enough. He was humbled before God and he confessed to God. Then one of the seraphims, all in accordance with God's will, took a live coal with tongs from the altar and placed it on Isaiah's mouth. It touched his lips and the seraphim said, Thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. What a wonderful, wonderful truth is contained in that scripture Thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. God took away the iniquity, he purged it, and he forgave him. It was a beautiful truth in that scripture. In verse 8 it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? 
And without any hesitation, Isaiah replied, Here I am, send me. As Isaiah responded, I would say that the expected and immediate response of a person who has had their eyes opened and the understanding enlightened by God, would, the response would be, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In this lost world, uh, we still need messengers to tell of God and of his forgiveness and of his cleansing. We too, even though we know this truth, from time to time we, needed to be re- we need to be reminded and we need to draw closer to God. We need a messenger in this day and age. God, uh, Isaiah was chosen by God to prophesy. We are all chosen by God to tell people of this wonderful truth truth of his word, amen, and salvation. Isaiah also foretold of the character of Jesus, of his cruel and painful death, his resurrection, and much more. God can and will give visions and dreams to communicate with people, but these are not the normal everyday experiences, and in fact may never occur in a lifetime. So don't hold on and hope for visions and dreams because it might never happen. There would be absolutely no need for faith if we had clear visions and dreams continuously all the time. The Apostle Paul was under house arrest in Rome when he wrote this epistle to the Ephesians. His imprisonment in Rome is verified by the book of Acts where we find references to him being guarded by soldiers, being permitted to receive visitors and having opportunities to share the gospel. It seems that Paul did not stop or take a rest because of injustices against him and imprisonment, but he continued in faith. He also wrote epistles to the Philippians, the Colossians, and Philemon while he was in in prison in Rome. What an example Paul is to us. There is no record that he was consumed with negative thinking or mulling over his problems. He knew who he was in Jesus. He knew what his calling was. And he continued in that calling regardless of the difficulties and the hardships that had come against him. He continued, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Philippians wrote. I mean, Paul wrote in a letter to the Philippians. This amazes me when I, when I think about Paul, how he just continued. He couldn't have been comfortable. There was many things against him but he just continued to do the work of the Lord. Ephesians is addressed to a group of believers who are rich beyond measure in Jesus Christ, but they continued to live as beggars beggars in spiritual poverty because they were ignorant of their spiritual wealth. No Christian needs to live as a spiritual beggar because God offers spiritual blessings beyond imagination. Now I've lost my place. However, to move from poverty to prosperity, believers need to pray. They need to read and meditate on God's word to find out where their true standing is. It's no wonder that Paul prayed the prayer for their understanding to be enlightened. In a broad outline, the letter to the Ephesians is divided into two sections. 
Chapters 1 to 3 consist primarily, primarily of doctrinal teachings on how God planned our salvation from before the foundation of the world and what are some of the consequences of his plan. Then in chapters 4 to 6, Paul applies this doctrinal teaching by giving very detailed and specific application on how we are to live as the people of God. The epistle aims to confirm and to equip a maturing church, a present to present a balanced view of the body of Christ and its importance and the spiritual bounty of the Christian in God's economy. Leading up to verses 17 and 18 in Ephesians chapter 1, which is where the, the uh, words come from this song, Paul wrote of the blessings of being in Christ, such as having spiritual blessings in heavenly places, being chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, forgiveness, wisdom, inheritance, and sealed by the Spirit, which is the guarantee of our heavenly inheritance. Because they did not recognize their wealth in spiritual blessings, Paul prayed for revelation. We need to stay living for God. He's given us everything to equip us to get to heaven. And it's up to us to continue to live for him and to give of ourselves to him in every area of our lives. It can't be a half-hearted and a halfway journey. It's got to be an, an all-or-nothing journey. I really believe that the giving of ourselves to God, that he can work in our lives, that he is glorified, and that we are guaranteed to get to heaven when the time comes. In Ephesians 1 and 17, it says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The easy-to-read version of verse 18 says, I pray that God will open your minds to see his truth. Then you will know the hope that he has chosen us to have. You will know that the blessings God has promised his holy people are rich and glorious. Truth comes first to the mind, which is the seat of the intellect. But for truth to truly take hold of us, it must penetrate all the way to the heart, which is the seat of our emotions and motivations. This will never... Prop Sorry. We will never be properly energized and motivated until the heart has been moved. The Bible is filled with spiritual truth that can only be seen with an eye opened by the Spirit of God, and for this prayer is necessary. There is another similar intercessory prayer by Paul to the Ephesians in chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. There are many, many more blessings continuing on from chapter 1, all the way through the book of Ephesians. In the book of Revelation, the church at Ephesus receives a warning because it has left its first love and is called to repentance. This tells us that we need to hold on with everything that we've got. This tells me that we mustn't give up and grow weary what we have got but to continue. As stated previously, the Ephesians started out as a group of believers who were rich beyond measure in Jesus, 
but ignorant of their wealth. Wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of God, and spiritual understanding is vital for us to continue in living for God. And it is very essential for us to continue. Uh, this is emphasized in, this, in Psalms 119 verse 18, where it says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. The scripture was obviously written by a man who was hungry for God. In that same scripture of 119, he says that he's, the word of God is hidden in his heart so that he doesn't sin against him. He knows how important the law is and how to keep the law and be in obedience. The law was very important and God gave it in a majestic, majestic and spectacular way. Mount Sinai was altogether on the smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly. The law of God is not restricted to the Ten Commandments given on Mount Sinai. In brief, they are, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, no graven images, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, honor thy father and thy mother, do not kill, no adultery, no stealing, no false witness, and do not cover. Those are just a brief uh, outline. But these commandments may seem like a list of do nots, but in fact they are God's guide to a good life designed to protect us, our families, and our communities. The law in its entirety covers religious ceremonial laws, health, and civil laws. The law was given to pinpoint and define sin. It was never given to save people, and it shows that people cannot save themselves. The law points to Jesus, which is the only way people can be saved. In the book of James, the laws are referred to as the law of liberty and the royal law. The, five books of the, Bible, the first five books of the Bible are sometimes called the Pentateuch, which means five books. They contain the laws and instruction given by the Lord through Moses to the people of Israel. As God's chosen people, Israel became the custodians of the Old Testament, the recipients of the covenants of promise, and the channel of the Messiah. Jesus is portrayed in each of these five books, mainly as the Passover lamb and the sacrifice for sin. There was never to be any doubt about the advent of Jesus and this important, significant event, God sent an angel to Mary to tell her that she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. Luke chapter 1 verse 28 says, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. We note that Isaiah prophesied, that the, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, which is God with us. Amen. Joseph was also, he was given a dream. He had the divine visitation and he was given a dream when an angel appeared unto him to give him confirmation of the news delivered to Mary and gave the specific name of the child to be Jesus. Since Jesus has fulfilled the law, 
the eyes of our understanding have been opened a great deal. We have the benefit of looking in the back of the book, in the front of the book, and in the middle of the book. All the way through, we have the benefit of finding out those details. We also have the benefit of our own personal experience with the Lord. Jesus came to fulfill the law, and this he did as he lived his life consistent with the Old Testament laws, as well as deepening our understanding of them. He fulfilled the law by revealing his complete, its complete spiritual meaning and intent. He taught his disciples the spiritual meaning and application. For example, he magnified the sixth commandment by showing that murder begins in the heart and is rooted in hatred and anger. Christ came to bring the entire system of animal sacrifices, temple rituals, and laws for the Aaronic priesthood to completion. Through his death, Jesus ended the Old Covenant, which had imposed a system of ritual laws on the children of Israel. In its place, he established the New Covenant, replacing the old requirements of the law with a higher spiritual application. Under the New Covenant, we have a great motive for obedience. That motive stems from the fact that every believer is a new person in Christ. The timeless law of God is written in our hearts. As a new creation in Christ, we actually want to obey Him, not because it gets us anything, but because of our love for Him, because of His sacrifice for what He has done for us. It's much easier um, to, to love God when we have had that wonderful experience. We have entered into the holy place by the death of Jesus Christ. When He was on the cross, He yielded up His spirit, and the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. God was declaring to this world that the death of Jesus had ended the temple worship and the existence of the sacrificial system. No one except the high priest was permitted to go beyond the veil which closed off the holy place and where he entered only once per year. In addition to Jesus being the perfect sacrifice for sin, he became our high priest who did not enter into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Now we are free at any time to come into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. Once that veil was taken, once that veil was torn, we were free to come to, into, into the presence of God, but we must do that through Jesus. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. We see Jesus, not with bodily eyes, but with, but with the eyes of the mind. We see Jesus because he's revealed to us in his word, he's revealed to us in our personal relationship with him. I'm coming to an end right now. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. The time is coming when we will be able to see clearly everything. We will experience uh, 
Jesus completely without that darkness, that, that um, dark glass that we're looking through because we're not ready to see it all in its entirety. And we are going to get to that place if we remain with the Lord to see him and to see him in his full glory, high and lifted up, shining in the light of his glory. Let us hold on. Let us keep living for God. Amen.